one of the problems with trying to get our minds wrapped around uh, true evil and truly evil people is that they don't do things according to reason. They never do. And, it, and we always try to figure out, like, why did, uh, you know, why did a shooter carry a gun into the Covenant Church? What was, what was her motive? And, and there really is no motive beyond just wanting to do evil. It's hard for us to get our mind wrapped around, I, I hope, for you. If that makes sense to you, then I really want to talk to you. Um, but it's, it's just hard to get our minds around. They don't do what normal people do, what healthy people do. For instance... Uh, to use an extreme example, when it became absolutely obvious that the, the Nazi uh, army could not win World War II, Hitler's generals began pleading with him to negotiate a, a, a peace. Negotiate a peace. Don't destroy Germany in your effort to, to win this war. And his response was this. If the German people are not brave enough to win this war, they do not deserve to live in a well-appointed country. He said, all military traffic, communications, industrial and supply installations, and all objects within Reich territory must be destroyed, either now or later. He just wanted to destroy everything with no intention of, uh, with no reason. That, that's, that's what at his heart. And that's what is at Satan's heart. We're, what we studied last week, and I hope it really found a root in you, is that Jesus, by his death, destroyed the power of sin. And sin no longer has power over you, and it cannot condemn you. And Jesus, by his resurrection, destroyed the power of the grave. And so we no longer live in fear of the grave. And and. It has no power over us. And Satan knows that. But that does not mean that he's going to retreat or withdraw. He just wants to inflict suffering. He just hates us. And he hates us because we look like Jesus. We are the image of God. We are created in the image of God. And he has hated us in the beginning for that reason. That's it. And so he just wants to do all the damage that he can. But I've got good news for you. I've got good news for you. Satan is powerful and he can overcome anything except the gospel in Jesus. Satan can overcome anything except the gospel in Jesus. Your soul is in no danger. Please stand as we read what I like to call the... uh, the comic book section of the Bible, Revelation chapter 12, um, is, it is the entire story of the Bible in comic book version, um, frankly. And um, I always enjoy reading it. Hear the word of the Lord. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. 
who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of the great eagle, so that she may fly from the serpent into the wilderness, to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. And the serpent poured water out like a, like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with the flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman. And the earth opened up its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. On those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. Thus far the reading of God's word. All men are like grass, and all of our glory is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but not God's word. God's word stands forever. You may be seated. Jesus has defeated Satan. His death has defeated sin and the power of sin. His resurrection has defeated death and and the power of death, death no longer has a sting, has no victory over us, uh, and Satan cannot win. He cannot get us away from him, but he just wants to make war with the church. The, the woman here is, is the church, it, it, church in the wilderness. That's the church in the dispersion. That's the church out all over the world, and, and Satan is making war with it, and he cannot defeat the church. Jesus clearly said that. On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Satan cannot defeat the church, and so what does he do? He makes war with the children of the church. That's us. He's just making war with the children of the church. That is us. Um, before we jump too far into it, I want to tell you what Satan cannot do. Uh, Satan has been thrown down to earth. He is no longer in heaven. If you remember uh, that's strange story in the book of Job where Satan is talking to God. He's in heaven. He is one of the heavenlies. And uh, he, is a, he has power. He has power in heaven to accuse and, and, and to destroy. And he's bargaining with God uh, over Job. But, but at some point during Jesus' ministry, while he was going around casting out demons, Jesus, uh, Satan was cast out of heaven. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And what we, and, and there's so much about this we want to know. Like, we're so curious. <laughs> there was some kind of battle going on in heaven. There really was. And, and Satan really was cast out. And at that point, he lost the war. He knew he had no chance of overthrowing Jesus. And so he comes to make war with us. But what can he not do? What are his limitations? He cannot separate you from God. He cannot. Jesus says in, in John chapter 10, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never, they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. 
and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. When uh, I was very young, campus minister, and Isaac, I mean, not as before Isaac, Brundage and Harold were little bitty. And uh, I went to speak at a camp. It was a small camp. And one day at that camp, we were going out, uh, we were going to go inner tube river, the Nanahala River, I think. I don't know, something down in South uh, Mississippi. I'm not sure what it's called. I'm pretty sure it's not the Nanahala because I said that. Anyway, you don't care. Uh, and it was a true redneck outfit. And the way you knew it was a true redneck outfit was I went in, and we were going to enter two with my children, like my ch- babies, very young children. And um, I asked, do you have life jackets that can fit them? And they were like, no, I don't think so. Do you have life jackets that can fit me? Yeah, we've got those somewhere around here. Okay, here we go. This is going to be fun. Um, most of the river is about this deep. Wasn't that dangerous. Um, and so we're in an interview with our kids in our laps. We're hanging in there. We're just going to do this. This is what we're going to do today. And most of it was, you know, just the right speed. It was lazy and no big deal. It was kind of fun. And there was just one or two kind of places where the river sped up. And one of those places, a, a tree had fallen down, and it was under the water about this much but if you went around it it was you know fine and I went around it and I looked back to see my wife and she was going straight at it there was nothing I could do and she got spun around and she hit that tree from behind and I saw her legs go up in the air and I was terrified because she had Harold in her lap and so they get out and they're fighting the current and you know yelling and doing all the things and crying and I swam over and got her at tube and got and she kind of got herself like I said it was only three feet of water and uh you know nothing permanent happened it wasn't terrible there was bumps there was bruises there were scratches but there was a lot of fear and Harold was crying and I said actually he wasn't crying he kind of thought it was fun I said Harold was that scary he goes yeah it was scary I said but you made it didn't you and he said I made it because I held on to my mommy that's cute, but that is not true. He made it because his mommy held on to him. We are in our Father's hand, and nothing can remove us from his hand. Satan cannot separate us from God. Secondly, Satan cannot possess your soul. Uh, I think Satan loves uh, stupid movies like The Exorcist. See, it just gets you all freaked out, you know, and you're worried about, when you think of Satan, you think of like, you know, babies with their heads turning around, and, you know, you don't think of like greed and Wall Street, you think of vomit and terrible things, right? And so, uh, I think he loves those movies, but just know that that's, that's not something he can do to a Christian. He can possess people before Christ. Uh, he can possess people who seek him out. He can certainly oppress us. But Jesus says, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. When one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, and he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. He's just talking there, that's in the context of him casting out demons. He is the stronger man who has stripped Satan of his armor, and you are safe. You're safe. He cannot get into you. He cannot own you. You are guarded by the blood of Christ and Satan cannot step over it. 
cannot separate you from God. He cannot possess your soul. He cannot stop the gospel. And Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the, the Son of God, the Anointed One. And, and Jesus says, blessed are you, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but the Spirit of God has revealed it to you. And then Jesus began talking about the cross. Remember that? He's like, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to be persecuted, arrested, killed. And on the third day, I will raise from the dead. And, and Peter takes him aside and says, that's not going to happen to you. And then what does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. Satan was trying to keep Jesus from going to the cross. That's what he did. His whole, the whole time Jesus was on earth, Satan was trying to keep him from the cross. But he couldn't do it. And he can't stop the gospel now. He can't stop the gospel now. Um, in 1953, Chinese um, revolution, communist revolution took place. All Christian missionaries were, were expelled from the country of China. There were about a million Christians, we think, at that point. Sixty years later, 70 years later, after no missionaries were there, there were no, no Western Christian influence, uh, I, uh, the liberal Boston University, the fourth most liberal college in Ma Massachusetts. That's a pretty high list, right? Estimates there are 100 million Christians in China. He can't stop the gospel. He tried. He cannot keep the, uh, the Holy Spirit from spreading the word. And the more he tries, the more he fails. Not only that, he cannot frustrate God's purposes. He can try, right? Genesis fifty twenty. Jacob says, um, Joseph, sorry. Joseph says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Satan keeps trying to defeat, to do evil, to do harm, and God keeps using it for his good. It's fascinating. I, um, as you know, I've got a lot of friends in Nashville, and this uh, tragedy in Nashville has hit very close to home. And, um, you know, I, a, a friend of mine's daughter was killed. And um, it was interesting. I, I had a friend from Nashville in town this week, and we were talking about it. And he sent me this video. I said, how's the Lord? Is the Lord at work? What's going on? He said, you would not believe it. And he sent me this video. The chief of police, uh, the Nashville chief of police was asked, what have you learned from this? And he said, I'll tell you what I've learned. I was sitting at the funeral at Covenant's church. And all the kids from Covenant Church was going, were going up front and laying flowers on the casket. And I was crying, and our officers were crying, and our, our fire department was crying. And every one of those children came by and said, thank you for your service. Those children who believed in heaven were comforting us. He said, this has restored my faith in God. Isn't that a fascinating thing to be said on public television? on a news conference. This has restored my faith in God. I don't think that was Satan's intention, do you? He cannot frustrate God's purposes. He cannot stop the gospel. He cannot possess the soul of a Christian. And he cannot 
pull you away from your father's hand. Lock those things in your heart. What can he do? Okay, let's just get the worst one out in the open first, all right? This is the worst one. Let's talk about it. He can kill you. Uh, He can incite others to kill you. I really wish that weren't true, but it is. Jesus says, do not fear those who can kill the body, but not the soul. Fear him who can destroy both body and soul. Um, John 8, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he says, you're the father, your father of the devil. Your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. In John 16, Jesus says, They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. People are going to think they are doing the righteous thing when they kill Christians. That was true in the very first century. It is still true today. It is still true today. We have those uh, who follow false gods and who think they are serving him when they kill Christians, whom they call infidels. Um, And yet, wherever that happens, the gospel still grows. It grows so significantly that a second century, um, second century teacher named, um, uh, who was it? Tertullian. Sorry, I know it's important to you that I got that name right. Tertullian said, the blood of martyrs is the seed of the church. Um, Wherever... uh, Wherever Christians have been killed for the sake of the gospel, the gospel has grown. Um, He can kill us. I I think that's the worst. I wish I could say he couldn't. That's not really too positive news. But he cannot destroy the soul. And remember, we have no fear of death. What else can he do? He can deceive us. He can dress up as an angel of light. And he can affect us by creating not only individual lies but entire cultural lies where we're just the the air we breathe is so polluted we don't even know that it's pollution and we just assume certain lies and those, those lies lead us to destruction we just assume them um, there are two shows on uh, apple tv that i really like and they're really harmful um one of them, I, you know, one of them I, we've talked about before is Ted Lasso. I think there's some great things in Ted Lasso. There's also a lot of incredible prof- profanity, so parents, just be warned. Um, and, but the, the whole story, it really, it's about mental health and how to maintain your mental health and how to build trust and a healthy organization. And everything about it is so good except the writer clearly believes that in order to be fully mentally healthy, you have to have no strings attached sex. And it's like, really? Everything else you're talking about here, you know, confession and forgiveness and trust and openness and, and authenticity, everything else is right. But you think that, that non-relational, casual sex is that important to people's psyche? It's just a lie. It's not true. It's harmful. We know that. Satan creates a culture of lies. Whenever you see someone lying or trying to 
create a culture of lies, you know that Satan is at work there. Whenever you see someone lying, trying to get people to believe lies, or uh, develop a culture of lies, Satan is at work there. Whether it's Nazism or communism or, yes, I'm going to say it, nationalism, this belief that somehow you're a, a special person, greater than others, that is just Satan at work. Very dangerous. He can kill. He can create a culture of lies. He can make you feel. This is an interesting piece of wisdom from uh, my friend Brian, who's who's knows a lot about Satanism. He's been in prison most of his life, and he knows a, a lot about it. And he says, Satan can make you feel. He can make you feel terror. He can make you feel oppressed. Um, Psalm 31 13 says, I hear whispering of many, terror on every side, as though they scheme against me as they plot for my life. He makes us feel afraid, like we're, we're in great danger. He makes us feel anxiety, like, like if anything we do, we're, we just get paralyzed because we believe that anything we do is going to lead to destruction. He makes us wake up in the middle of the night absolutely convinced that our children are dying in a ditch somewhere. He, he, he's always doing that. He's always at work calling us to, to question the, the faithfulness of God and the, the ability of God to protect us. He, he's also able to make us feel hopelessness. Psalm 88, you've caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. Darkness is my closest friend. He, he, he blocks out all the hope we have in the gospel, and so the only thing we believe is, is that there's, there's nothing for us. Things are not going to get better. He, he blocks us into thinking that the best days are behind us. And that's a lie. He, he makes us believe that we're ruined. He accuses us. We read this text today. The, um, the authority of Christ has come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. He sits on our shoulder and accuses us. He makes us feel guilty, makes us feel dirty, makes us feel like God is sick and tired of us, makes us feel like we're unworthy of God's grace, unworthy of His attention, like there's something wrong with us that will never be fixed. That he, he, he seizes on our weakness, and He says... You, someone like you, who can't control himself around the internet, can't control himself around food, can't control himself around uh, drink. You, you think God wants anything to do with you? And we know the answer is yes. But he convinces us that it's no. He's constantly accusing us. That's what Satan can do. He can kill the body but not the soul he can make us believe lies he can uh, make us feel oppressed and he can accuse but what can he not do how do we defend ourselves against those how do we defend ourselves against the things satan can do first of all believe the truth remember the truth recite the truth bring your sin to light the thing that satan doesn't want you to do more than anything else is bring your sin to light uh, man, I love the book by uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne, The Scarlet Letter. Such a wonderful book. So accurate. 
and its depiction of how Satan torments us as long as we keep our sins hidden. And for those of you who, who remember it, and for those of you who haven't read it, I'm assuming you're just not going to. So I'm going to ruin it for you. In the fi- final scene, the reverend who's committed adultery and has been tormented by this guilt climbs up onto the scaffold and declares his sin to the entire city. And, and the, the man in the story who represents Satan is, is climbing up after him. And he starts going, no, don't go there. Don't go there. They're going to hate you. And then finally he says, you know this is the one place I can't follow you. You cannot follow us into confession. Bring your sin to light. In the light it will wither and die. Bring your sin to light. Learn to, to preach the gospel to yourself. When, when Satan accuses you of your sin, don't say, no, no, I'm not really like that. Own it. Cut his head off with his own sword. Yes, I'm a sinner. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ died to save sinners of whom I am the chief. That word sinner, that's me. That's my name in the Bible. The Bible does not say Jesus Christ died to save Ricky. I looked. I read the whole thing. But sinner, that's in there. Yes, thank you, Satan, for reminding me. Jesus Christ died to save me. Believe that. Own it. Own your righteousness in Christ, that he has clothed us in righteousness, that our sin is wiped away as far as the east is from the west, so far as God removed our sin from us. He remembers them no more. There's an old gospel uh, song written centuries ago. Well might my accuser roar of the many sins that I have done. I know them all and thousands more. Jehovah knoweth none. They're, they're gone. They are, they are gone. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And you've got to own that. And you've got to believe that. You have to remember that. And whenever Satan stands on our shoulders and he starts accusing us, we tell him to give us six feet. Give me six feet, buddy. I'm in Christ. You can't get around me. And then, this is radical spiritual warfare. Are you ready? Pray. Pray. There's a hilarious story in the Bible. When Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration, and the disciples are surrounding this man, and his son is, uh, has, a, has a demon, and uh, none of the disciples have been able to cast it out. And Jesus says, you know, Jesus casts out the demon. And all his disciples gather around him and say, why weren't we able to do it? And he said, this kind only comes out by prayer. You didn't ask. You thought you could do it. You can't do it. You have to ask. And, and I want you to know that that is still true. Jesus gave the keys to the kingdom to the church. And the church still has them. Because some of you may be oppressed. You would know. I, I don't. But we've, we've been called in to, on uh, several houses. Houses where people felt just oppressed by darkness. Usually it has to do with, with people who have experienced trauma, just terrible trauma. 
and somehow Satan kind of marks them through that. I don't know how. Maybe it's just exposure to evil people. I don't know all the details. Um, there's just a lot of things we don't know. But I do know this. We've had people come to the session and ask us to pray for them. And the reason why is whenever we start to offer communion, they feel this overwhelming desire to vomit all over the table. Whenever we preach the gospel to them, they feel this overwhelming desire to stand up and start screaming profanity. And they don't know where it comes from, and they want to be freed from it. We've had people come to us and ask us to pray for them because when they try to get to sleep at night, they see, they swear it's not a dream, it's a vision. They see a huge wolf above them, and they want, and it wants to eat them. We've had people ask us to come and pray because they are locked into this desire to commit suicide, and they want to be free from it, but they can't get free. And we take the elders over to them, and we anoint them with oil, and we pray for them because that is what the Bible tells us to do. And so far, it's worked. Jesus is still at work. Satan is still at work. And if you're oppressed, pray. Ask the church to pray for you. We give you this opportunity every Sunday. And it's not just something we say. If you need to be prayed for, whether it be physical sickness or spiritual sickness, come, let us pray for you. There's a, there's a power in the midst of worship that's just not there when we pray for our own. I don't know why, but when the elders pray for us, when they gather together more than one and pray for us, it's the power of the church. I don't understand it. I just do it the way the Bible says do it. Pray. Believe. Pray. And trust Him. Trust Him. Recite these promises. What does the Apostle Paul say at the end of Romans 8? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not with us, with Him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, and who is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, that's demons or Satan, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Believe it. Read it. Pray it until it gets into your heart. You are safe. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, we pray that you would write these words large on our hearts. We pray that you would bring them to our minds in the middle of the night when we are scared. On cloudy, rainy days when we are sad and we know there's no reason to be and we get sad because we're sad and get locked into a spiral of darkness. Bring these things to our mind. 
when we feel accused and condemned and guilty, remind us. No one can charge us. No one can condemn us, but we are in Christ. 